podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike e-bikes that are cool AF. Hi folks, it's David here. Just asking you for a wee favour. If you don't mind, could you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Android or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. It's a huge help for us. They might ask you if you want to leave a review. If you could leave a nice one, we'd be very, very grateful. Thank you. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and as always I am your host and I'm delighted to say joining me this week to go over a sensational Rangers performance. It really was no jokes, no funny remarks, it was just a pleasure to watch from start to finish is our tactics guru, best-selling author Adam Thornton. Hello Adam and yeah look you and I have joked about this over the period about going to Ibrox and you know sometimes it's been a bit of a chore and Sometimes we've gone and there's been no discernible game plan and, you know, we'll be waiting on, will Tav will do something or Todd will do something or before that, Alfredo or, or Ryan will do something. That's not this Philippe Clement Rangers team at all, is it? Not at all, no. Um, it was a pleasure on, on Saturday. Um, I feel like the last three home games have been pretty crucial, uh, I think, um, when you think about... Aberdeen, I thought we were really, really good in the, in the first half. Um, and going in at one each was was a bit of a sucker punch, to be honest. And we dug it out in the second half and got the goal through persistence, uh, I guess. Ross County, I loved. I know, I know not many people did in terms of the number of chances, but I just thought it was. I thought we were fantastic and just missing that cutting edge. Um, if anything, Saturday was the polar opposite of that. We were very, very clinical. Um, I think I remember maybe one chance, Dessers, in the first half that, we probably should have done a little bit better with. Um, but other than that, it was five goals. Um, and I thought if we hadn't then quite clearly eased off uh, in terms of getting bodies off the field, getting others in, etc., we could have probably went and got uh, another couple if we wanted to. But yeah, it's, it's very um, very exciting right now. I think it's, it's definitely all starting to come together. The manager's plan that he's been talking about for me has massively kicked into gear after the winter break which is is very rare for Rangers but it's actually good to get some time off the pitch and work on tactical ideas and then for you to actually see them when they come back that is um that's something that's uh particularly uh good to see yeah, particularly gratifying yeah look going into this game hearts were in cracking form right nine wins and a draw in the last 10 excellent form they had an informed striker in Lawrence Shankland and Rangers just almost 
to, to use a phrase, a memorable phrase that Amo used uh, about his time, they deleted the opposition from the park. <laughs> and by that, what I mean is that it didn't matter what Hearts were trying to do. Hearts were too busy trying to stop us because we imposed our game plan on them right from the start. An early goal helps, but when you say that, you know, an early goal helps, it almost sounds as though it's just something that might drop for you and might not. It doesn't work like that. If you get an early goal, it's because you've scored a goal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not fortune. It's not good luck. It's, you know, we scored a cracking early goal. But I just thought that the tempo, the verve that the side played with, um, the the knowledge, you know, for want of a better word, and that, one of the reasons why I was glad to get you on was, was to sort of explain what they're doing differently. Because, look, under Michael Beale, we had a long winning run. That, that people might forget, but there was never this sense of satisfaction in the stands. Now you could argue because th- there wasn't really a genuine title race because Celtic kept winning; they were they were quite far ahead. But I would also argue, Adam, that it was because there was no discernible style of play. One of the things that gets put forward a lot, and it's right here, the first thing for any Rangers team is to be winning. Yep, hundred percent. Right, Rangers teams need to be winning matches. Um, but there is this this line that gets trotted that's saying if we're winning, the fans don't care. I'm not sure that holds. Whether it whether it ever did, because uh, I remember you were on FF at the time as well. There's plenty of grumblings when Walter had te- had teams that that won every week, but the football wasn't great. And plenty of moaning, plenty of moaning in the stands as well. I mean, there might be a bit of revisionist history about that, but even in the nineties, I can recall moaning at games. I think that especially these days, you've got a more, for want of a better word, literate football audience, I think. And we know a bit more than than we maybe used to. We know a wee bit more about how the sausage is made. And I think that the eye test is quite important. It's not just about results. It kind of is now from here on into the end of the season, and we all understand that because it's the title race. But overall, you want your side to have an identity, to be... A side that, right, when they're defending, they know what they're doing. When they're attacking, they know what they're doing. They know about controlling a match. They know how to see games out. All these little things that that maybe in the past we didn't really care about, I I do think people care about them now. And the reason I bring that up is Saturday at Ibrox was vibrant. The game against Aberdeen was vibrant. The game against Ross County was vibrant. People are enjoying watching this Rangers side. And it's not just about winning games. That is for me a baseline, that's a basic you have to do that, but people are just enjoying watching this Rangers team because they're seeing guys who quite often in the past looked clueless, look, well for want of a better word, like they've, they've been told what the clue is and they've now solved the puzzle Yeah um, there's a lot to a lot to dig into there, um, I've got a cough so I'm going to try my best to cough on mute, but um, apologies if I, if I don't, Um yeah, I think I think you're right. I think well, I think first of all, it's about it's about how how the football makes you feel. I think that's for me that's the that's the main thing outside of the result. When when I look at it, you think, do I enjoy this? Are, are we playing a, a style of football that I, I like? And there aren't only five or six different styles. I think people get style and formation and tactics all all mixed up together. There's hundreds and hundreds of different ways that that teams. We'll play football. One team will do something very, very different to another team. Um, one little tweak can can change how how a team plays. So, um, there isn't a case of saying they play like this team, therefore they are the same as this team. It's, it's all very, very different. Um, but I think it's about feeling as well, and I think that's maybe something that you can't really, um, you can't really explain or quantify too much. It's about how it makes you feel. And Rangers just now, 
what's that, four out of the last five games, we've got one or two goals within the, within the first 10 minutes. I, I know you, you spoke about that goal there. That is huge for us because not so much it removes the pressure, but it just gives us that base to then go and play football. In the past, uh, uh, recent past, the last year or two, we've maybe got a goal and thought, oh, great, we've got a goal, brilliant, we'll just let's let's all celebrate that and, and fantastic, that's us won the game. Um, it's not the case now, and I think that's where the mentality comes back in. It's okay, we've got the goal, but that then just gives us the platform to go and get more goals. That lets us go and break down the opposition more. So that's not tactics. That's <coughs> apologies. That's um, that's the manager. That's mentality. That's that's aggression. That's tempo. That's everything that he speaks about and everything that we want. So I think it's about how it makes you feel. Um, the example I always use, David. David is when remember when when Gerard left, um, and we. We're top of the league, but we were conceding quite a lot of goals. I think we went behind and, and came back to win. I don't know. Did we lose the first goal five or six games in a row? It kind of rings yeah, yeah, ring yeah, the bell. There, there was um, something like there was a, a period where the, the, the start was something like, and I believe this was across a calendar year under uh, both Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and Michael Beale, that Rangers lost the first goal in 17 out of 33 matches. Yeah, so. At the, at the start, at the end of Gerard, there was a lot of goals getting conceded and we were coming back. And I remember we were sitting at, might have been his last game, was it Ross County? And we conceded a goal and we were like, oh, that's another one, but we'll, we'll come back and, and win it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then when Van Bronckhorst came in, it was sort of stodgier wins, but everyone loved it. And I think that's that's your point there. Everyone loved keeping the zero and we'll keep it tight and we'll, we'll get the win. But then after a while, you're like, well... If that's all it is, like if, if if all we're doing is is sort of being quite stodgy and working out an opposition uh, domestically and just trying to get one more goal than them, then I'm not sure that's really going to work. Um, and as it transpired, it, it didn't. Um, I think the difference we're seeing now is with the manager, it's we want to win the game, we want to score as many goals as, as possible. Absolutely, it is not ticky tacker. It is not. Um, Let's play fifteen passes uh, uh, through the through the pitch and lovely flowing flowing moves like we've seen in the past. It isn't that, but it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable football. It's it's getting the ball forward, and that's not necessarily just punting it. It's it's definitely playing through the lines quicker, moving it quicker. Um, we've seen some stats on on John Lundstrom how involved he is now at the other end of the pitch in terms of creating chances, which is night and day from um where he was uh, even last season. Never mind the, the Europa League season. Um, so he's more involved in the final third. He's getting the ball forward quicker. Lawrence in there is really helping. Ridvan is really helping. It's the aggression and the tempo and the intensity that is more than half the battle in these games. If you do that right and you hit the manager referenced in the post-match, um, I think Stevie asked him asked him the question about, uh, about it. He, re- he referenced repetitions, intensity, tempo. This has all been trained. When the players get into that position, they know exactly what to do. There's a set, clear instruction. Get into this area of the pitch, cut the ball back, do this, do that. And it's just going to keep improving there, hopefully. Um, you think so. The, the aggression and temp, intensity tempo has to come from the manager, has to come from the squad. Um, but once they get there, they're, they're executing as well on a really high level. And I think that's why we're why we're seeing such a big uh, a big improvement in, in chances being created and, and goals being scored. Yeah, definitely. And on that, uh, I think that to go back to, to, to my but a more football literate crowd, the manager spoke about this that he's unveiling. He said, you can't hide in plain sight anymore by you know just making neat and tidy passes in midfield um shit lateral passes as he famously called them uh he said crowd knows <laughs> you know the, the crowd realizes when you're doing that you don't want to play it forward you don't have the the resolve that if you yep. lose the ball and get a bit from the crowd 
that you need to be prepared to do that. There's no point doing it because the crowd doesn't come out and say, oh, he was great. He never gave the ball away. They come out and go, he didn't try one forward pass. They know. Yeah. And it's it's true. We do know. We, we recognise this. There's too much football. It's too analysed. Now, people get when players are doing that. And, and of course, it is a confidence issue. You know, that is absolutely true. Players don't want to take it on. Another thing that, and he spoke about this on Saturday after the match, Philippe Clement, he says he was on at them, the whole squad, from minute one, day one, shoot more. Yep. You know, here, here are the right times to shoot, but when you're in these positions, shoot. And I thought it was very noticeable at the weekend, and I, I don't think I was alone. There was a lot of people said to me afterwards, we were shooting a lot more. Now, how exciting is it to have a midfielder in Mohamed Diamande, who not only will, but is quite good at it, scored a beauty, an absolute beauty up at Perth with his, his right foot, and then he scores an absolute beauty to, to get kicked off on his left foot at the weekend. And I do think it's noticeable they do. They're getting shots away earlier. I think that makes us more, uh, or, or rather less obvious, because I think there's been times in the past with, with Rangers, you didn't need to leave your position if you were a defender because the re realistically Rangers were not going to try a shot from outside the box so you didn't need to get out to block you could stay with your man as, as we were going to try and play it now there is that wee bit of doubt for defenders do I go do I, do I stay what do I do that can lead to mistakes that leads to space that leads to chances but it was a hell of a strike wasn't it it was and the Aberdeen game we seen a couple of weeks ago two digs from, from range and the keeper spills them and, and we get the win so it, it's huge and again it's something that maybe gets sneered at in terms of being a, a long shot team or a set piece team or whatever but if you can nail all of these margins and you can get all of these things working towards you um, we also score some some fantastic goals like like we've seen at the weekend so having all of these things in your arsenal to, to use is is crucial um, yeah and they're linked think, that's what i mean they're not they, are. Yeah, they yeah. don't they don't happen in, in in silos what i mean is that that the reason we can make more space for these passes is because we've put that element of doubt in them you know yeah. that it's not binary everything is linked to, i think i think you're right because if you look at the if you look at the goal at the weekend uh, i've seen some analysis it was actually from the from the heart side um earlier on today where um for that goal, I know it's the first or second minute, but the Hearts' defence has dropped and they've not put any pressure on the ball. Um, as it's been as we're attacking, they've not put any pressure on the ball. They are obviously thinking um, Rangers are going to get this wide and try and bring the ball into the box. Therefore, I want to be deep and I want to be attacking attacking the ball from mm. from there for, which for, is a, sensible. for a header, which is understandable because that's what we've done so many times in the past for for years but instead we then work it along the ball breaks to diamandi there's no one near him um he's able to then just slip it on his left and and score so you're right it's that it's that surprise and that flexibility um and i think having him there having lawrence there as well um who can take these shots from range and if they even if they don't score it looks like they're going to get quite a lot of them on target and who knows what can happen after that so i think you're i think you're spot on but it was a lovely goal and i think it's great to see diamandi both feet just looks effortless. I think the one at St. Johnson was brilliant, the way that he sort of took it out of his feet with that, that sort of, he couldn't have done anything else to get that out of his feet rather than that little flick with his studs, which I thought was, was fantastic. Um, and then I liked to, I liked the one at the weekend probably better just because he had to move and, and hit it on his left. Um, but yeah, great to have that flexibility. The second goal was possibly my favourite. Yeah. Uh, and there were some really good ones at the weekend. There was competition for this. Before the match, uh, I was sitting watching the warm-up and he put two like this past Jack Butland. Now, that ain't easy even in a warm-up, right? But two drilled dead on into the far corner. 
just you know opens his body, gets it right, puts it in, the, and I thought I can clearly do this. You know, wow. I mean, it is an absolutely perfect finish. Xander Clark reads it, incidentally, and takes a step in the right direction. He's as set as he can possibly be. Didn't matter. And I love that's possibly what I love most about this goal, is that the goalkeeper was irrelevant. And I also loved the pace of the break, because that had come after two or three minutes of Hearts having possession, and they hadn't really done anything with it. But the crowd was getting a wee bit restless. You could hear it because Hearts had had the ball quite a lot and we couldn't seem to win it back and we went into our shape. But to me, again, that that then it becomes an issue for the opposition. It's a case of, Christ, do we want the ball here at Ibrox? Because if you know, if we give the, if they're giving us possession and we make a mistake and Scottish football teams will turn the ball over more than they will in, in Europe, for example, then they can do that. And it was literally pass pass goal. It was so incisive, you're right. It was um, a counter-attack and, and we always say we don't think Rangers can, can really play counter-attacking football at, at, at home given, I guess, how much possession we're going to have. But what I like about Cortez and Diamandi uh, and Silva, um, I guess to an extent, is they can just play in every every occasion. Um, you look at Cortez and you might think, I, I did before he joined, he'll be quite good on the break. Um, absolutely, he's got his pace and and he can finish. That will be really useful. But in the games he's played, when it's been low blocks, he's been he's been fantastic as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's crucial having having those players. We've spoken before about signing half a profile, signing this player, and oh, they can't play in this game or they can't play in that game. Doesn't look like it's happening now. Um, and they're so young. It's easy to forget. We you see Cortez. I know it's still early days, and he's a winger, and he's he's going to um he'll probably be up and down uh, a little bit but he only turned 20 at the tail end of last year so he's he's so, he's a very very young player um and to be contributing the way he is just now um uh, is fantastic and like you said he's finishing that was something that stuck out to me before we, we signed him his finishing was um just how impressive it is how not even not even instinctive it's just cool and and, mm, and composed yeah. Uh, I guess it's not like Cam. I don't know a, a Novo or a Morelos or anything where it's if, if he needs a bit of time he's not going to he's not going to do it. He, he just seems quite calm for someone who is, like I said, barely out his teams. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly how to do it. And then he did it. And there's something beautiful about that. And as I say, he just deleted the goalkeeper from the pitch. It didn't matter where he was. The goalkeeper was in perfect position. He did yep. all the right things. He took a step to his left. He's there. He's, he's read it. He's about to save it, but it's just too good a shot. And I absolutely loved that. Then they, Game was done just before half time, thanks to another sensational goal. John Souter with a cross that, that Borna Barisic would be very proud to put his name to. Beautiful cross, just takes it. Goalkeeper can't come for it, defence can't deal with it. And they are reading it, peeling off, perfectly timed run to stay onside. And then, I, I, I'm going to say it, Adam, a, a Jelovic esque finish from Cyril Dessers. He'd missed a couple before it because, of course, he had, but. Uh, you have to say this for him. He just doesn't let it bother him. No, um, he, he doesn't at all. Um, I thought this was fantastic. Red Van had been putting a few balls into the box um, that were really, really nice, uh, almost as if it was a bit of a precursor to this, and then Suter decided to to have a go as well. Brilliant ball in, and it was one of those ones, obviously, I sit not far behind where you are. It was one of those ones when you seen it. I never thought it was offside, bizarrely. I don't I, even considering it's, it's Dessers and, and how close it was, um, I just sort of seen it and went, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. It sort of it gave me the same sort of feeling as the Defoe goal against Livingston. Remember in the 
the 55 season oh, where, yeah. where obviously it wasn't at the same sort of technical level as that, but where you're just like, did that, is that, did that happen? Did that just go in? I'm, I'm a bit confused. Um, but lovely touch, lovely finish. And, and yeah, he, he doesn't seem to let it bother him. I think he'll have enjoyed the, the praise that he got. I am, um, fully won over in terms of what he can contribute to the team. Um, whether, He's someone that you want to build a team around for two, three, four years, big games, etc. We'll, we'll see that over the next uh, the next few months. But um, I am very much about output, um, certainly for a centre-forward. I would not have got rid of Cholak because I felt like he would have been um, someone that was worth keeping around um, if Dessers goes on to, to deliver as many goals as he has in the last few weeks for the for the next few weeks, then um I think he'll absolutely play play a, he has played a huge part already, but I think he'll be playing a, a really big part in the next few months. So yeah, I'm delighted for him because everyone had written him off um and he was a bit of a a bit of a laughing stock. Um but then since the manager's come in he started to to climb up the climb up the goals chart. Um he's quite quick as well, David. There was a couple of yeah, couple of times on the couple of times on the break. Um I think there was one he ran from his own half and he covers the ground rapidly. Um, I don't know if that's just a fitness thing or if he had still it's recovering. Beginning from... to look, it's beginning to look like it was a fitness thing. And the reason yeah. I bring this up, Adam, is that Connor Goldson was interviewed afterwards and congratulations to Connor Goldson on his 300th game for Rangers, the quickest player to ever reach that that milestone uh, in terms of time taken to get there. So well done to him. He said afterwards, and this is so interesting, I'll just read you the quote. He said... Um, we're a lot fitter now, which is crazy when you think that it's only been four or five months and it's well into the season. Now, I don't want to look back the way it, we all know that it's really damning on the coaching staff that was there before. But clearly the players feel it and they're you're noticing and I'm noticing because of the, the tempo of football we play is a lot quicker and a lot quicker over the 90 minutes. It, it, it does look like... Dessers, it's actually, we know he's carrying an injury, but even... By sort of October, November, you're right. He ain't sprinting from his own half at that pace. He's just not capable of doing it. No, um, and obviously he had that injury towards the the end of last season at, at Cremonese. But because it never happened with us, I, I never really thought too much about it. I was like, oh, he's, he's fit. He's he's in pre-season. He's he's playing games. He must be fine. Um, maybe it's just a little bit of both in there. Um, I just as I guess a an addendum to that. I don't. I always take it with a pinch of salt when the players say, "You know what it's like." New managers come in and it's been great. It's been this and it's been that, and and we do then infer how how bad it was before. Um, I always remember last year when was it Arfield said about Beal's preseason was, or he inferred that it was better than Van Bronckhorst because it was more about running and more about this. Um, but the difference I think this time is you can actually see it. <laughs> like this, it's not just the players saying, "Yeah, things are things are a lot better and it's brilliant." You can actually see it. This is a great example there. You can see how robust he is. Um, the way he's been managing Tom Lawrence's minutes, I think the manager as well. You can see how how much fitter he is as well. Um, Raskin hasn't been great, and I think he had a couple of misplaced passes again at the at the weekend when he when he came on. But again, he's been taken out, uh, and he's been managed. McCausland as well has played a lot of football and, and is now out for a little bit to to sort of get the benefit there. Um, I think there's lots of sensible decisions happening um, around the squad uh, and around their fitness, and, and we can see the benefits of it big time. Uh, Cyril Des, of course, adds a great fourth, a uh, different type of goal, bit of a stramash, but he's there. First time I can really remember him smashing a ball, incidentally, for a finish. Um, yeah. he, he usually tries and places it, so that was good to see in our strength of his ball. Uh, and then the good, fifth, ball in from, good ball in from Sterling for that one as well. Yeah, it was. He played well. And then absolutely stunning goal. John Lundstrom, just 
to illustrate what you said earlier, in a forward area, moving forward with the ball, no look reverse pass that's perfect, perfectly timed run by Silva and a great finish across the goalkeeper and it's five. Um, just a really enjoyable thing. And then, as you said, we were able to make changes. Yes, the tempo dropped. That's not the worst thing. We have a massive game at the weekend. There's no point in them running about daft, using up energy. A massive game in midweek, sorry. Um, and we were able to bring on five subs and five decent, you know, good subs. Uh, the quality from the bench is improving. That that was something that that Connor Goldson mentioned as well. Three of the new, well, the three January signs all got a goal. All are contributing. That feels new to me that Rangers have gone out mid-season and brought in three guys who've just hit the ground running and gone actually at any point. Guys hitting the ground running. It, it's probably not true if I was to go through all the all the signings, but it feels that way that three guys have come in and you go, oh yeah, we're a better team than we were at the start of the window. That that's hugely pleasing. Definitely is. I completely agree. Uh, last year, obviously, we had Raskin and Cantwell, who at this stage had came in and and looked like they were um, they were adding a lot. Um, ultimately, I think January signings get rolled up into how successful the the season is as well because they yeah. get right in, they come right in at the at the the tickly bit if you like. So um, at this stage, they both look like they're, all three of them look like they're they're doing very very well. Um, I guess we'll see how things look uh, towards the the end of April um, and see where things are. But yeah, I think. Diomandi um, is is looking really, really promising in there. I think we spoke about profile before in terms of who you want to go and get. Um, you can see, even when he has a good game, all these football wonder kids and, and scouting Twitters are, are keenly following his, his progress, which is good exposure for Rangers um, and also means that we've got someone in there who is highly rated. Same with Cortez. There's a lot of South American interest in, uh, in how he's getting on. Um, as well uh, and that's been covered there so again it's really beneficial for us um, and if we can make these two signings work and they help us to, towards our goals this year then it improves the squad absolutely, stands us in good stead um, and hopefully they can uh, they can stay for another couple of years but it also means I guess that next level of, of talent or the next ones are going to come and say well I could, I could go and go to Rangers for, for a couple of years and see win some things there with them, help them uh, get to their goals and, and sort of move on as well and that's the that's the player trading model that, that we're looking at. So if those two are the first step on the new, 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 new version of the player trading model, then then happy days. So, I mean, just a, a great victory, an important victory. The manager, though, was very calm about it afterwards. He said, look, it's just three points a day. But I think a lot of people were looking at this fixture as a test from Rangers to see just, you know, quite how realistic our title cred- uh, credentials are. As I mentioned, their hearts had been in terrific form. But such was the manner of the performance. The other interesting thing to me was this was the first game that we were on top um, rather than chasing. And it is a slightly different mentality, you know, when you're there rather than when you've got this this goal that you're, you're focused on, we need to overtake them. And to go out and answer those questions in the way that they did, I think is incredibly heartening for what we're likely to see between now and the end of the season. Definitely. Um, there was a few different things uh, in this one for me. Um, we always beat Hearts and Hibs by, well not always, but we, we beat Hearts and Hibs by a couple of goals quite a lot and I think we can sort of use it as a um, an explanation. Remember under Van Bronckhorst, we, we won a few times we did not expect to and we won pretty comfortably. Um, Beal as well at, at Tynecastle we won. Um, and it is because they came out a little bit and they leave space in behind and, and 
they've had some issues defending and we can deal with it. But that never felt like that on Saturday. We'd never faced a Hearts team that were coming in that form since I don't know, I'm gonna guess George Burley, um ish mm, probably yeah, in terms yeah. of the in terms of the form. So you're talking eighteen years ago. Um coming to do that, I think like you said, all that extra pressure, if you want to call it that, of being on top and wanting to to get the win playing first for the first time and the opportunity to, to go five points uh, clear, even if it was only for, for a day or so. I think all of that rolled together and the performance uh, as well um, definitely gives gives a lot of hope. You can sort of see that building process, if you like. You look at all the home games that we've had um, since the winter break and you can see sort of incremental progress there. And if we can keep it up to anywhere near the level uh, that we've seen in Ross County and Hearts for the last five or six home games of the season, then we're going to be in for a for an enjoyable finish for sure. Now, of course, we do have you know I would say out with Parkhead or or maybe Petodri, given the way that Aberdeen would would treat that game. Maybe the most difficult away coming up. We we go to Rugby Park. Feels like almost the scene of the crime after that really dreadful opening day performance. When make no mistake, Rangers were pathetic <laughs> on the opening yep. day of the season. A complete shambles. Uh, it was, of course, the, the one thing that, that will be noticeably different is that was the day of the famous 30-second throw-ins where that's how long it took us to do a throw, whereas now it's the first guy that gets to the ball more often than not, chucks it back in quickly and we, we move on. Just a really basic thing, but somewhere that we've grown. I'm kind of conscious of going the other way with it, and I'm speaking to a lot of supporters that it's a difficult fixture against a very good Kilmarnock side, right? I, I have respect for them. Look at what they've achieved this season. They are playing very well. They are full of confidence. They won at the weekend against Aberdeen. And there is a, a difficult pitch. But I'm conscious of maybe not going too far the other way. You know, we need to remember, yes, that all of these things are true, but we are playing really well. We are Rangers. We have better players than them. That's not a slight on Kilmarnock. That's just a fact. And as for the pitch... It, it's different, but it's no worse than the one we played on at McDermott Park a few weeks ago. I'm expecting Rangers to go there, perform well, and win this match. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I don't, I don't like the the tropes of difficult place to go. Um, when it's uh, Easter Road or, or Livingston, when we go there all the time and and we win, and people still say, "Oh, that'll be a difficult game." You're like well, it might be this time, but there's no there's no evidence recently to suggest that that it will be. Um, but I do subscribe to it for for Rugby Park because we've had, um, we've had quite a few horrors there over the last five or six years. Um, in recent memory, and like you said, I've never had the life sapped out of me on the opening day of the season before. But I certainly did it at Rugby Park this year. When I was like, what, what is this? What what are we watching? How can this preseason have been building towards what is on display here. I don't quite understand what's going on. Um, so I think it's nice to bookend that um, a little bit. Um, as you know, it's a massive game. David must win. I, do, I was going to ask you about that. Could you could you give me a size of this game and how many oh, points are required? Like you wouldn't believe it. It's the biggest game of the season so far and the biggest game until the weekend, 100%. Um, but no, in all, in all, all seriousness, um, it's another chance there's going to be many many markers being being put down i think we said last week was was really important um in terms of trying to get to the top and then staying there um this week again we're now in in this period where it's going to be blow for blow really and we're hoping that we'll go five points clear and then maybe not get pegged back to to two points and and sort of keep going uh, in that way 
Um, but I think uh, I think the next couple of games for either side could be could be quite interesting. Um, and I think that could decide whether it's going to go all the way or not. Um, but yeah, it is huge on on Wednesday. Um, and I think there's obviously a lot getting said. Um, and I know we touched on this earlier on. Um, if one team is pulling out the fire, um, maybe not playing well, depending on your point of view, that could be. Uh, the mentality of champions or it could be getting away with one time and time again um so it really just depends i guess on what your what your viewpoint is and what side of the the road you stand on but the one thing that i will say is i would much rather be playing like rangers are right now um going into the going into the last 10 games of the title race so fingers crossed we can uh, we can keep that going on wednesday this is something that we have unfortunately been on the end of far too often in the last few years which is maybe misunderstanding, or rather maybe willfully misunderstanding because you're trying to clutch at anything you can. When you're playing badly and digging it out, the argument of that's what champions do, that's correct if it's once every so often. Yeah. That's that's what champions do when you're having an off day. When it's your form, then it's not that. What it means is that you are, you know, and, and you'll have, especially if you do have better players in the opposition, which the old firm clubs do, that you are playing badly and getting by most weeks with your superior players, but then there are times you don't. And if you look at the last few months, there's a reason Rangers have been able to turn this point difference around. And that's because Celtic have been getting away with it, except when they don't get away with it. So I absolutely subscribe to that. There will be times that Rangers between now and the end of the season play badly. And I will still hope and expect us to, to win the game. And yes, that's the form of champions. But if we play badly every game between now and the end of the season, although we will win the majority of those games, we won't win enough of them to win the title. So I can only, you know, it's difficult for us as fans because we're, we're too close to it. But if I was a neutral looking at it, I'd say, yeah, they're they're going to win the league because they're playing really well and scoring goals and everyone's happy and things are going well. Whereas it's, it's if you like sustainability, our form is sustainable their form isn't. And we've seen that so often with us where we've we've got a win and we've gone, ah, we dug that out, you know, that keeps us going. And and you just wait for things to turn around and the team to suddenly get better. It very rarely happens. How, how many times have we watched games and Tavernier or, or Morelos pulled us out a hole? Oh. Um, and we're all celebrating and we go away and we think that was a, that was a brilliant win. Um, and then the next game they don't pull us out a hole and we're all scratching our heads. How, how has this happened? I don't quite understand it. And it's over reliance on individuals is a short term thing. You can't you can't build a successful winning team um with as that we've unfortunately seen to our cost. Unless you have five or six of them, obviously, and it's like well remember in the nineties with Gaza will have a quiet game, it's fine, Loudrop will score two, don't 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 worry about it. Um but we're not blessed with that and, and Celtic aren't blessed with that. Um so I think yeah, I think you need to have something there. Um and it's interesting as well the I guess the demands of of home and away um in games like I mentioned there in games maybe where it can be a little bit more tr- uh, transitional and counter attacking then individual players can can get the space in those games to to decide it um it's those home games where you're struggling against ten men uh behind the ball who know you're not playing well and are just going to sit there and and force you to break them down I think those are the ones that have certainly caused us more trouble um in the past. Uh, the recent past, I think. So um, those are the ones, I guess, to to keep an eye on. Um, maybe it won't be the case on Wednesday for for us, as we know Kamarnock are, are, are doing very well. I don't imagine they'll come out um, all-out attack, but they'll certainly have their 
have their moments on on the break. So um, I'm looking forward to it in, in that respect. Um, and yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, with the next few as well. I think um, going into going into March, um, it's going to be interesting to see who who blinks first. This is what you want, though, isn't it? This time of the season, you want to be looking forward to these games, big games, games that matter, games that are important. Yeah, you know, come on, like, difficult game that, but that's what I want. I want it to count. I want it to matter, rather than it being, I uh, hope we win, but it doesn't really matter if we do or not, because it's not going to change anything. This, yeah. this, for me, you know, the buzz that I had from Thursday night, really, you know, going into the game uh, at the weekend, but you woke up on a Monday and, yes, right, Wednesday night, yeah, that, that's what it is. That's what it should be anyway for fallen Rangers. Definitely. And I think I said to you after the Ross County game, that, that gave me a lot of heart um, because we could, I, I did, it's obviously a, you did. A, wild, you did. a wild anomaly. Like it's never, you're never going to see anything like that again um, uh, in terms of just the volume of shots compared to, to the goal scored. Um, but it did give me a bit of heart and I woke up the next day buzzing to get to St. Johnson. Um, and I thought, look, we, it feels like we're on a trajectory here. Um, everything can change. A slip, um, a fumble, anything can can change the course of of how this goes. But I don't think you can look like you said. I don't think a neutral will be looking at at both of these teams. The evidence in terms of form, goal scored, chances created, chances conceded, defence, clean sheets, uh, quality of goalkeepers, everything. I don't think anybody could realistically be looking at these two teams and and thinking that um, Rangers are are nowhere near. Um, or it's not going to be possible. So I think everything is everything is trending up, uh, and we'll see if it's uh, if it's enough by by the end of the season. We certainly will. Right then, folks, thank you very very much for joining us this week here on Heart and Hand. Cami will be back with Heart and Hand Extra later in the week to go over what happened at Rugby Park and to look ahead to the fixture on Saturday against Motherwell. If you want to hear more from us and including Adam's very detailed tactical breakdowns over on Heart and Hand on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And just a reminder that uh, Adam, myself and uh, Martin will be heading down to London next month to interview Paul Gascoigne in our live show at the Leicester Square Theatre. So please get your tickets for that before they're gone. They're very close to being gone, thankfully, um, because hiring this hall is nearly bankrupting us. But, uh, you know, it's all worth it in the end. Up, But, Adam, thank you for joining me today, mate. Thank you. We never even got to speak about my new favourite subject, which is uh, which is Red Van Yilmaz. So I might do a show on... on uh... Patreon talking about how fantastic he was at the weekend once again. He was my man of the match at the weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I just think he's he's brilliant. I think he just typifies what we've spoken about there in terms of aggression, intensity, tempo, taking risks on the ball, or mm. on and off the ball. I think he sums up everything that that the manager's putting in. So yeah, I'll maybe do a little show on on him over the next day, uh, couple of weeks because he's been he's been fantastic. Well, tune in for that, listeners. As I say, we will be back here next Monday. Uh, also, just a wee shout-out as well to our other free show of the week, Dominant Martin's Epic season, uh, Series on 1986 to 1998 in Rangers history. Uh, that will drop on Wednesday. So listen out for that. Thanks, our producers, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. I'll talk to you again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Sports Social Podcast Network.